Welcome to the Trader Line Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Moglin, here with Ross Haber, and this episode is brought to you by Leadership Blueprints from Trader Line University. Leadership Blueprints is a comprehensive course which teaches the winning characteristics shared by past and present true market leaders such as Tesla, Amazon, and Apple. This course will train your eye to spot institutional accumulation and learn how to buy and manage high potential stocks. With 26 individual modules, 20 quizzes, and over four and a half hours of video content, including a final webinar, this course is designed to sharpen your technical analysis skills and bring them up to the next level, no matter how you learn best. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And with that said, get your notebooks out and enjoy our interview with Stan Weinstein. Stan is the author of the well-known book, Secrets for Profiting in Bull and Bear Markets, where he coined the highly influential concept of stage analysis. He is currently the editor and publisher of Global Trend Alert, advising institutional investors. Stan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Hey, my pleasure. Awesome. So to start things off, uh, the process you enumerate in your book is almost entirely based on technicals. Uh, many investors nowadays seem to ignore charts and focus only on financials or fundamentals. What would you say to these people to convince them to incorporate chart reading into their process? Okay, first of all, you know, when I was young, I used to proselytize. I wanted everybody to use technicals. I'm way past that. Um, in fact, on a kidding around basis, I say now it's good. There are some people who will never use technicals, and we need that because if everybody used charts, who would we sell our losing stocks to? So the bottom line is that people that are open-minded and mm -hmm. really are willing to you know, learn that you need offense as well as defense to score in a football game. You need technicals at the minimum integrated with your fundamentals. And there's a reason why I'll share this with you, Richard. Most mm -hmm. people don't know, but I have a degree in economics. And many a year ago, gee, it must have been probably 40 years ago. I used to do so many interviews. I remember some interviewer asking me, say, Stan, what did you have to do to become successful in the market? And he thought I was being facetious, but I said, put my economic degree on the side and learn to be totally technical. Right. Right. That's funny. Yeah. Combining fundamentals and technicals and, and listening to what the price action is, is actually saying that seems to be the way to go and just reading that supply and demand as best as we can. Uh, definitely rich. And let me give you a perfect example. Timely wise, what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. If you're just strictly a fundamentalist and a few of my fundamental clients, you know, override the technicals and they're paying for it. Um, gold is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. If you just take a look from a fundamental point of view, we all know the government is irresponsibly no longer talking billions, but trillions, and they're spending money like crazy. And you'd say, oh my God, gold is a buy. And long term, it probably will be. But right now, we put out a sell several weeks ago on gold, and it's been going down and paying no attention to what the fundamentalists would expect. So again, I always listen to the action of tape. I wrote that in my book many years ago. Right. It's not the news, but how the market reacts to the news that's really important. 100%. And for listeners out there who have not yet read your book, first of all, I highly recommend it. There'll be a link down below in the description. But Stan, could you briefly discuss the kind of four different stages within a stock's life cycle and also how you kind of differentiate between them? Sure. I think that's a relevant thing. And it's so straightforward and it sounds almost too easy to be really a success part of the equation, successful in the market. But here we go. 
Stage one, a stock, let's, let's use numbers just to illustrate what I'm talking about. A stock has had a big decline, Richard. It's fallen from, let's say, 25 down to eight over many, many months. It's been bad. Now it starts to finally dig in and build a base. And just like a house needs a foundation, a stock before turning around, people think, oh, if I catch the bottom, it'll maybe go up. That That's just a short-term wiggle and jiggle. A stock needs to build a base, right. a foundation, before it starts. So we go into stage one. It starts to move sideways. But let's make believe now it's going between 8 and $10. And, the, and let's use a 200-day moving average. And let's say the 200-day moving average is still like at 14. Even though the base has started, you're still too premature. You want the 200-day MA to be close to the base. Now mm-hmm. it's a couple of months later, it's still bouncing back and forth between eight and 10, but the 200 day moving average, let's say it's a 10 and a half. Mm-hmm. Now you're ready to talk Turkey. It's in the stage one base. Boom. It breaks out not only above the resistance of 10, but it also now goes above the 200 day moving average of 10 and a half. You've mm-hmm. completed the base and gone into stage two which is the advancing phase, and that's the ideal time to enter a stock. Interesting enough, when you're still in the base, the news will usually be bad, right. but it's no longer going down on the negative news. That's a positive indication. Now you're in stage two, and obviously stocks don't go straight up. But let's say over the next six to nine months, the stock goes from 10 to 20, and you have corrections along the way, but all of the cor- short-term corrections happen and hold above the rising 200-day moving average, short-term wiggles and jiggles aside, you're still in stage two, it's great. Eventually, right. now let's say it's a year later, the stock has gone back up to 20. It starts to roll sideways between, let's say, 20 and 22. And the 200-day moving average is maybe 19 and a half. You've moved into stage three. Interesting enough, Richard, at this point, the news will usually be good mm-hmm. because there's a reason why the stock had this big move. Now people first pick up the Wall Street Journal and other newspapers and say, oh, everything is terrific and they'll buy it. That's a mistake. The stock is no longer going up on the good news. You're now the mirror image of stage one where Mm -hmm. the news was bad, but you didn't go down. It was basing. Now the news is good. It's no longer going up. It's rolling sideways. You're in stage three. You start doing reducing to make it simple. Eventually, you break below that flora support at 20. You break below the 200-day moving average, which is close, let's say 19 and a half. You've gone into stage four. At that point, irrespective of what you think fundamentally, I'm a seller. I think now you've seen the high for the cycle. And if you look, well, obviously it's not perfect. There's always going to be one or two exceptions now and then. In general, when you study charts, you'll see this pattern repeats over and over again. If people learn how to play it, I'm not going to be facetious, say it's easy, but the market becomes straightforward and much more profitable. Absolutely. And um, in your in your book, uh, you talk about the ideal buy point for both investors and also for traders. Um, could you talk about what those are and also what you're looking for in terms of volume price action right at those levels? You've obviously done your homework, Rich. You're doing a great job leading me. So here we go. After, like we just said before, the stock, when it was in stage one, I have some of my institutions, and that's basically what says institutional product, although I do have some high-value net worth individuals also in here. But basically, 
institutions, because they're not buying an odd lot or two, they'll start doing early accumulation, knowing they're early while it's still in the stage one base, but never when it's still in stage four. Right. Then eventually, as you just alluded to, you break out, you go topside above the 10 and a half, it's going to stage two. That's the ideal time, both for traders and investors to buy. But now mm-hmm. we're going to become even more sophisticated. If a given stock breaks out into stage two, it's kind of like eggs. They're not all of the same quality. All breakouts are not of the same quality. So let's say um, chart A breaks out. Yeah, it's good. It moved into stage two, but the volume doesn't pick up. That's probably just going to be a so-so stock, and um, you don't want to do aggressive buying there. Conversely, we have stock B, which not only broke out above its resistance at 10.5, but in addition, the volume picked up significantly. And I like to see at least twice the normal volume of the past 30 days. Right. That's a good sign. And even better, in some cases, it'll be triple the volume. A stock that breaks out in heavy volume usually has a tiger in the tank. And those are the ones that, again, we're playing a probability game, never guaranteed. Those are the ones that will usually end up being the big winners. And now I'm going to give you a subtlety, a third one, which I wrote in my book many years ago. If those two things happen, but we're still going to become even more finely tuned. One is in just uh, a so-so group and another, which we should talk about later in this interview, another is in a hot group. Mm-hmm. I'd always go with the one in the hot group that puts all of your odds in the in your favor. Mm-hmm. Per- perfectly put. And I was actually going to touch on that on, on how you analyze group strength as well. So um, could you talk a little bit about your force to the trees approach, how you go from market analysis, group analysis, all the way back to selecting the highest potential stocks that you want to buy on those breakouts? Obviously, here we go. First, again, we're playing a probability game. Anybody who tells you, oh, I know the market is going to do this, or I know this stock is a definite winner, is a liar. Only Mm -hmm. the liars are always right. In fact, I wrote in my book, which most other people don't do. They only tell you about the good stuff. I put a chapter in the book where I spoke about losing positions, and I remember writing, even though it was like 40 years ago, I remember writing the words that, how you handle a losing position will make you a winner in the market. So it's very it's very important that you you blow out if something doesn't work. I honestly think if we really do our good work, we can be right 75, 80% of the time, but only the liars are right 100%. And when you're wrong, hey, it's like you get another taxi coming along, you get out of that one, you pick up a good taxi. It's the same thing in the market. Now, to go to your question, the forest of the trees approach, one, again, we're dealing in the ideal world. You want to have the market behind you. So you start with, are you in a good, healthy market? which until a few months ago, it was terrific. Now I've downgraded it in the last two, three months from a rip-roaring bull market to now only moderately favorable. It's basically an even Stephen market, which we should talk about in a moment. There's good and there's bad stuff here. But anyway, you want the market behind you. Then you go down to, oh, what are the best groups? Like right now, for argument's sake, you know, this is a very split tape, but there are some groups I like, like we've been having clients in the last several weeks buying stocks like in the building products area, mm-hmm. coal stocks, aluminum in the more conservative area. I've had them buy a lot of REITs, which have been great, a lot of utilities. And for more aggressive players, even though short term they're extended, I like some of the crypto stocks, the cryptocurrency mm-hmm. stocks. 
At the same time, there are a lot of bad groups we want to stay away from, even though they're rallying short term. I don't like the airlines, um, cruise lines, restaurants, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, so you want a good group. So you mm-hmm. go from the market is in your favor to the groups that are the best. Then within those groups, Richard, you look for the best dawn looking stocks, best risk reward um, characteristics within those groups. And hey, um, it, it's a filtering process. And if you do that, like I told you, you're never going to be 100% right. But first of all, this is an interesting thing that most people don't realize. I've seen over the years, clients who play the game right can be right less than 50% of the time. Focus on that. Less than 50% of the time. And you can make tremendous amount of money if you let your winners run and you quickly get rid of the losers. And I think we can do a heck of a lot better than that. I think that, as I said before, we should be able to bat at least 75%. And again, you've got to be realistic. Most people don't realize, hey, you're playing a game of probabilities. Don't forget the last person to hit 400 many a year ago was Ted Williams when he hit, I think it was 406. Hey, that still meant he made out six times out of 10. Right, right. Perfect. And um, how should investors size their positions? Does it depend of d- does it depend on the quality of the breakout? And kind of what are your thoughts on concentration versus diversification? You're asking so many good questions. There's no one magic answer, Richard. Mm-hmm. You know, I always when I used to be on the seminar circuit, which I no longer do, I, I used to say you buy and sell to the sleeping level. Some people you know, will go very aggressively and they just want to hold a few positions. There are other people that take a look at, oh my God, you're turning your account into a mutual fund and they want to have a hundred. I don't think there's a magic answer. I would just say that for me, I think that it's a mistake, even though some people swing for the fences to just have three or four positions, because if you turn out to be wrong, even though you win, when you're right, you win big, you get hurt significantly. Conversely, you can over-diversify. So I would say, you know, something like 15 or 20 positions that are all good positions, maybe four or five percent for each position. And then if one or two don't go your way, you're not going to be blown out of the water. I think makes sense. I'm a little more conservative that way. But again, each person has to decide what their risk level is and how averse they are to risk. Wonderfully put. And um, I think this is a really good question, too. Uh, on the other side of the coin, once you're already in a position, say you brought a, bought a breakout right at 10 as it's moving into a stage two uptrend, um, how should traders and investors manage the position using your methods? And do you wait for a stock to break certain key moving averages and sell on weakness? Or do you also kind of look to sell some into strength and sell proactively at all? You're asking so many good questions and there's really a lot of answers there depending on who you're talking to. But let's start out with the investor. For the investor, it's really easier. Um, he should, or they, she, depending on who they are, they should buy initially at least half the position when it breaks out. Then when you see it's not a false breakout, let's say you bought it when it went through 10 and a half and Hey, it only went to 11. Then it fouls up and it breaks back into maybe nine and a half. It's not working right. right. You're not going to buy anymore. And I'd start reducing mm-hmm. conversely. Now let's be optimistic. It broke out to 10 and a half. It ran up to 13. Okay, you're very happy. Now it pulls back, and it really, the, the old ceiling of resistance, Richard, should now be the floor of support, mm-hmm. roughly. So it now pulls back 10 and a half, 11, it holds where the breakout was. Buy the 
the other half of the position, you know it's good. And especially the volume came in on the breakout and the volume should decline as it pulls back. You, you, you're now done. Boom. You're fine. Now the investor just basically rides it. But even an investor, because mm-hmm. what I'm saying now is very different than what I wrote my book in the late 80s. We're dealing with the new norm. This market is no longer the markets I played in the 70s and 80s. This mm-hmm. is, oh, my God. I kid around with clients. A lot of times they say you can't go to the bathroom and come out without being surprised here. This market is moving at warp speed. So yeah. even in an investor who bought the stock at 10 and a half, and let's say it becomes extended and it runs up to 16 in a hurry, and right. it's 50, 60% above its 200-day moving average, I would then not be looking to sell. That's the wrong word, but the right word is trim or reduce. Right. When something gets very extended, I would then say, let's take some off. I always kid around with my institutional clients and I say, profit taking is not a dirty word. You take a little off. And again, it depends on the individual market player. Some will take off 20%. Some will take off 30, 40%. You take some off when it becomes extended. You watch for things like, remember, I'm talking as a trader now, Mm -hmm. the stock has run up, it's extended. Now it's starting to churn sideways. It's no longer advancing on good news. You take a little bit off and hey, you'll put, let's say you took 25% off, it pulls back ideally toward the 50-day moving average, which is a short-day moving average, it holds there, you start putting it back on. So that's how the investor plays. The trader plays a whole different game and mm-hmm. the trader has to be on top of it night and day. When he sees it, the stock is extended, boom, he should take off much more than the investor does. And then if down the road, Richard, at any point, I'm talking for traders now, at any point, the stock breaks below its 50-day moving average, the trader should be 100% out while mm-hmm. the investor should be cutting back further. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So Stan, I, I'm going to zoom us out big picture real quick and then uh, back in a little a little tighter. I was just curious... Um, you know, if you do, do you take into account and do you use and you know, is there any way you analyze the health of the overall market or look at the, you know, general indexes or is that just not, do you look at, you just look at your stocks for your information? Um, and then I guess from there, I would, you know, dialing in, you know, really focusing in other than your price volume, you know, the charts that we, we discuss in your book, is there any other? And I, I know just from your newsletter, you've got um, your proprietary, I'm sorry, your proprietary indicators. So I, that was basically it. Is there any sort of um, analysis you do on the general, you know, markets, overall health? And do you have any, you know, what other indicators are you looking at maybe that uh, you could spit out for us? Again, another couple of great questions, Russ. We could go on forever with this interview, but here we go. Okay. I'm trying to keep. I'm trying to keep it basically simple. You know, like the old days of the seminar. Sorry, I just say keep it simple, not that we're stupid, but K A S. Keep it simple, stupid. I'm trying to keep this simple here, but you're raising a lot of good questions, and this is what I deal with in my um, global trend alert, which I put out a daily update a weekend update, and then a quarterly in-depth 
70 to 80 page report every quarter. So there's a lot, a lot of other things which I can't go through quickly in this interview today. But yes, there are other factors we should look at. Like for argument's sake, the market was super healthy a few months ago, where that's why there used to be an old cliche in the street, you know, don't mix don't confuse and mix brains with a bull market. Anybody can make money when the market's hot. Okay, mm-hmm. right now we're really separating the boys from the you know the men from the little boys and the girls from the very little girls. Um, this is a very difficult market right now. Um, it remi- you know, so now yes, you have to factor in the overall market, which I'll just give you an interesting thought. Um, and these are the kind of things I talk about in the global trend alert, you have to take a look and say, hey, last Thursday, just a week ago from doing the interview today, the S&P hit another new all-time high. Hooray! It should have been great. We should be rocking and rolling. And I put out, now not a major sell, but that night, a short-term warning to do trimming rather than buying because I use what I call positive and negative divergences. And the S&P made a new high a week ago today, a week ago Thursday, but none of the other market indexes confirmed that breakout. In addition, the next day on Friday, the next day on Tuesday, the next day on Wednesday, and so far today, there have been more declines than advances in the next three sessions, that's not good action. So that's one thing that short-term is warning us, oh, you know, th- this tape is not beneath the technical surface quite as strong as the S&P would have us believe. Another subtlety that I spoke about that night was that while the market made a new all-time high, if you're using the S&P, you should have, in my weekend updates, at least twice as many buy recommendations as sales. Mm-hmm. And I... You know, I have no brief with this. I'm just a reporter. I report what I see. Actually, in this past weekend's update that I sent out to institutional clients, that there were it was even Stephen. I think we had two or three more buys and sells. That's not exactly quote unquote kosher. That's a market warning us how split it is and how it's narrowing down viciously here. So I'm not telling you, oh, be a bear, but I'm telling you, you better be on top of your game here because I already see roughly 50%, 5-0, of all stocks are already in their own private bear markets, even though the overall market isn't. And that's an important thing to understand. And then you go back because we can study history and say, gee, are there any similar times that you've seen something like this? And here's where, you know, I think that I can bring something to the table because I've been playing this game for 55 plus years. I go back to 1973 and I remember we went through that period. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying what's ahead of us is going to be as bad as what was. 1973-74, which turned out to be a granddaddy bear market. But in 73, I remember vividly, the Dow made a new all-time high at that point in early January of 1973. But so many stocks had already narrowed down and started their own private bear market at that point. Okay. Okay. At the same time, the Nifty 50, the go-go stocks of that day, Avon, Polaroid, Xerox, they continued to move up into June of that year while the rest of the market narrowed, I think a similar thing is happening here. They just change the costumes that they're wearing. Right. Now it's Facebook and Amazon, da da da, and Google. While a lot of individual stocks have already entered their own private bear markets, 
the nifty 50 of these days, which is, you know, the go-go stocks of these days, they're still doing quite well. So I see a tremendous similarity. And if history is a guide, which I always feel that it is, I know how this movie ends. And while I'm not telling you it's going to be today, I know the last reel is not a good one. Gotcha. So you're, you're really focusing on the declining breath that you're seeing in the market. Exactly. That you just said the key word, Ross, but you, you and I used to work together when you had your fun. The truth is that we all know this. When breath narrows down, that's not a good thing. And most people don't realize, hey, the S&P last week made a new all-time high. How come the advanced decline lines haven't made a new high since early June? Again, there's something that's not quite right. So we've seen this game over and over again, and maybe this time, quote unquote, it'll be different, but I don't bet on market firsts. I bet on probabilities. So I'm telling you, I don't like the short term right now probabilities. And eventually, I think it's going to become a bigger problem. And here's a number that everybody should write down. Dow 34,600. It is if we break below that level right now, you're still above it. If you break below that level, it isn't like, oh, you're going into a bear market. But you've seen that the corrections in the past several weeks have been one and two day affairs. If we break and close below that 34,600 level, I think you're going to get a much more meaningful correction that's going to be more than a day or two. So, you know, that's something else that we should stay focused on. Perfect. Uh, we'll be watching those charts carefully and, and watching for signs of distribution and, and see what happens. Um, Stan, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. I know you've got very limited time, uh, but we'd love to have you on once again in the future. And we'll have your, your email and contact info linked below for any institutions who want to get in touch and check out Global well, Trend Alert. Right, right Ross, Absolutely. let me just say yes. one let me just sure. let me oh. just say one other thing. Sure, we listen, Stan. I'm not kicking. We're not kicking you off the phone. We just wanted to, uh, you know, be respectful. Yeah, no, 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 no yeah. problem. But anyway, um, here's something that I'm offering your listeners. Okay, first know that unlike the old days when I did the professional tape reader, that was hey, seven hundred ninety nine dollars. Da 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 da. You know, it, it was nice, but you know, obviously the interface for everybody. Well, anyway, to cut to the chase, when I retired the professional tape reader, which was way back you know, twenty plus years ago, in two thousand, Global Trend Alert had taken over, and this is mostly for institutions, but it's a very expensive institutional product because you can, in addition to getting my daily updates, my weekend updates, my quarterly reports, you can also interface with me. We talk and night and day, I talk with these clients. Anyway, to cut to the chase, that's a big number of any institutions out there, but a lot of people are soft dollar oriented and that's 60,000 a year. But then when I retired the tape reader, I had some clients who felt bad. So they said, Ooh, is there anything you could do for us? And that's what I'm going to offer people today. I said, okay, fine. I don't talk with these people, but strictly on a reading basis, they can get the reading material, the daily updates, the same as the institutions get the, the monthly, the weekend, as well as the quarterly. And that's only 2,500 a quarter, 10,000 a year. If somebody would like to see what the product is all about, but be serious. I'm being fair to them, so you'll be fair to me. Absolutely. If there's no Absolutely. way, if, if there's no listen, if there's no way it fits in budget, then fine. You know, don't, don't do it. Right. But if you'd like, to, if you'd like to see a copy of what it's all about, Global Trend Alert, then here's an 800 number that they can call. 
That's 800-868-7857. And just give your email to my assistant. We can send out the input to you, and then you decide if it works for you. In the meantime, Ross, this has been great. I love working with you. And for now, everybody should be very, very cautious. This market is beyond difficult right now. Perfect. Awesome. And Stan, listen, I just want to thank you so much for uh, giving that offer, you know, putting that out there. And I would say as one thing, you know, I was, I started off as a retail broker. I was an institutional broker there for a while. And I can't tell you how many guys with Harvard degrees and Harvard teams stuck to their fundamentals, ignored the technicals and blew up billion dollar funds. I would say one thing at that price, it's not whether you can afford to have Stan Weinstein on your team. It's whether you can afford not to, especially for those guys who are not incorporating the fundamentals. And I would say that right. from the, from the bottom very, of my heart. You, so other than that, we're going to let you run. Good. You know, happy trading today. And thanks a million again, Stan. Hey, my pleasure. And just remember, as I used to say when I had the professional tape reader, the tape tells all. Perfect. Uh, Stan, thanks again uh, for answering our questions. And uh, yeah, hope hope to have you on again in the future. And, and best of luck. Take care. Hey, you have a good day, man. See you, bye. bye. See you, Stan. All right. For everybody watching, uh, go ahead and leave a like down below if you enjoyed. And we're, we hope to have a whole bunch more interviews just like this one uh, in their near future. So stay tuned. Leave a like down below and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And we'll see you guys in future videos. Thanks.